A very good morning, church. Um, I'm really excited about today morning uh, for the word to bring to you all. Uh, let's take a time and just let's just thank God for today and that God will speak to us. Lord, Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that you have been a good, good God, O oh, Father. And Lord, we come here, O oh, Father, with a heart of thanksgiving, O oh, Father. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that today as we hear your word, O oh, Father, that you'll open our hearts, O oh, Father, and you'll give me the ability to communicate things from your spirit, O oh, Father. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. So it's been quite some time since, uh, you know, uh, we did part one of renovation of the mind. So I have a quick recap for you all. It's in video and I hope it's okay. And if you can have the audio at the right level. Thank you. Here is a quick recap of Renovation of the Mind, Part 1. When we look at the analogy of renovating a house, the first step is breaking down or demolition, clearing out the old garbage, and then building up. Now, this is done based on the architectural plan, but in this case, it's done based on God's plan. Now, the first step is demolition, breaking down or pulling down of the old. This is done by recognizing areas of fallenness, patterns of the world. Secondly, repenting and renouncing these areas. And thirdly, receiving forgiveness. Once this is done, there is a sense of cleaning or sanctification, which is followed by building up. And we are going to be looking at that a little bit. Point one of the recap of the sermon. It is very important for us to know that the whole being of a person, body, soul, and spirit. But the mind is located in the soul and it plays a very significant role as an integrator between the spirit and the body. In the spiritual realm, things are conveyed to the mind and then experienced in the body. In the same way, in the physical the body communicates things to the mind which is deposited in the spirit. This is very important because the area of the enemy's attack is in the mind because our spirit is anyways born again. And so the only way the enemy tries to attack is through the mind, through negative thoughts, oppression of the enemy. And once the mind is attacked, it affects the emotions, as well as our decisions. Point two of the recap, it is very important for us to know that our conscious thoughts are deposited in our subconscious mind. Now here is where the patterns are formed or where the programming takes place. Now these patterns keep building and throughout our life, all our thoughts start flowing through these patterns. Point three of recap of the sermon. Thoughts are stored in the heart. Ultimately, thoughts which are reinforced over and over again get stored in our spirit. And that's why the Bible says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The fourth point is a very important point and I hope you'll hold on to this point seriously. When thoughts 
are reinforced over a period of time especially negative thoughts these thoughts form very strong patterns and once these patterns are formed even if we deal with the negative thoughts we have not dealt with the pattern and after a period of time all forms of thoughts seem to flow through the same pattern and hence we find that we have formed molds in our mind and the bible tells us that we need to pull down these strongholds in our mind patterns in our mind process our thoughts and we need to deal with these patterns to change the way we think it's very important for us to understand the patterns in our mind which also reflect in our brain for example if a young person goes through hurt trauma or even excitement but at this time he discovers that pornography is comfort so every time he is hurt his behavior is to go and indulge in pornography for comfort over a period of time of reinforcement the mind builds patterns and the brain starts having neurological connections so the mind and the brain as connected discover a very important thing that every time i am hurt my comfort is to go for pornography or it could be other addictions now one can go back and deal with the hurt when it started but the key is to recognize the pattern and the pattern has to do with the behavior so one has to deal with the thoughts and the behaviors to break or to pull down the patterns in the mind so part 1 majorly helps us to identify not just the thoughts but the pattern of our thoughts and the behavior in relation to our indulgence with things of the world once we identify the thoughts and our behavior we need to repent we need to renounce the thoughts and the behavior we need to receive forgiveness and we will be looking at part 2 today that good but the gist of it is we all have thoughts in our mind but over a period of time these thoughts become pattern not in our conscious mind by we can see but in our subconscious mind which is intersects with our spirit and one interesting thing when i was meditating i realized that when we form ungodly patterns in our mind the enemy also takes access and that's why the bible says that we need to pull down these strongholds according to 2 corinthians 10:4 but patterns are not merely thoughts they are also behavior and patterns are reinforced with repeated behavior over a period of time so i'd like to start with part 2 uh, this morning i want to start with a very simple question is your mind a bad thing is your mind a bad thing you see people without minds they are in coma they can't think so please recognize that our mind is god given to process to think to understand and by the way even god has a mind where he thinks he understands in verses he says come and reason with me and that's the mind 
But the question really I want to ask you, where is your mind set on? I want to give you a quick example for that. In Romans 8, 6 it says, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. So this is your mind. The, the question is, it's not that if your mind is good or bad, the question is where are you setting your mind? Are you setting your mind on the flesh? Now, if you set your mind on the flesh, it's death. If you set your mind on the spirit, it is life. When we talk about having a godly pattern in our mind, we are talking about setting our mind on things of the spirit and not the things of the flesh. And sometimes we get confused and we think, should I set my mind here or there? Or is there a 50-50? There is no 50-50. Bible is very clear on there, on that subject. The Bible is saying, set your mind on the spirit. You'll walk in a place of peace. You'll walk in a place of life, and that's it. Now, you have questions, so you can check with God. He wrote the Bible, so he would be the best reference on this matter. Thank you so much. So when we talk about the flesh, you know... Constantly in the world, we know there is a kingdom of darkness, but the flesh seems to be a very interesting subject in our mind. So when Paul was talking to the church in Galatians, in chapter 5, verse 17, he says, the sinful nature wants to do evil. Your sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. He's not talking to non-believers. He's talking to the church in Galatians. He's saying very clearly, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is opposite to what the Spirit wants. And that's the greatest battle we are going to face on planet Earth before we depart. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. See, when you're in the Spirit, you'll desire the things of God. When you're in the flesh, you'll desire the things of the world. That's very clear. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. There's a battle there. Where is the battle? Right in your mind. See, you can't do something which you don't desire for. What you desire, that's what you're going to do. Check your thinking. Check the patterns. Check your upbringing. What you have desired, your ambitions, your passions, whatever it may be, see if it is in line with the Spirit first. Galatians 5, 19 to 21, which is a continuation, says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. He's saying, yeah, there's a byproduct also of this. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like this. He's saying this list is not exhaustible. This is just a very small list. Let me tell you again, Paul is saying, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Again, he's speaking to the church in Galatians. And what I realized is this, the nature of the flesh is crooked. Let's come to that. In the Old Testament, they have spoken that we are a very crooked generation. 
Our pattern of thinking, first of all, is crooked. And in Christ, God wants to straighten out that crooked behavior, that crooked pattern. And we'll look at it a little bit today, today morning. Jude 1.17 says that they say to you, in the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you. Now, how do they divide you? who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. So how do people, scoffers come? How do they divide? How do they create problem? Simply by natural instincts, meaning they don't have the spirit of God. If you have the spirit of God, wouldn't you walk in the ways of the spirit? So today the world around us, YouTube and everywhere, it's all about worldly wisdom. Everything about natural instincts. Where is godly wisdom? And unfortunately, even the body in the world today, the body of Christ in the world, even they are following in the same pattern. We as a church are called to walk by the Spirit, period. Now I was thinking, how did this whole nature come? And some of you all already know this, but I just wanted to briefly touch on this aspect. How does the nature of flesh come? How does it happen? When God created the heavens and the earth, you look at Genesis 2, he said everything was good, 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 good. So where is the bad? The environment around us was good. Adam and Eve was good. What was bad? Was there anything bad? So today when we talk about carnality, the world around us, where do you think it came from? From God? And some of us Christians, we have two buckets. Oh, this is definitely the kingdom of darkness. But when it comes to the flesh, gray area. We can dabble around a little bit here and there. God doesn't give that option. Even the things in the flesh, even the things in the world, where did it come from is the question. Did it come from God? If it didn't come from God, what's the actual source? So quickly, i just give you a quick example. See, in the beginning, God created us in his image and in his likeness. We were like God. Right? No doubt there. But then what happened, you see, in the Garden of Eden, Lucifer, who was a fallen angel called Satan, he did something very interestingly, and you can go check this out in the Old Testament. He said the five eyes. Can I have that screen up, please? He says, I will ascend to the top. I will exalt my rule in the high place. I will sit, meaning I'll proceed over the congregation, and I will be like God. I, 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 and I. It was the poem of I. And this did not happen on earth. This happened in the spiritual realm. And when he did this, he became independent from God. Now, one thing God showed me, which was very shocking, you know, when we generally look at, you know, Bible stories or teaching, if you ask them which is the first sin, you know what they will say? Pride. But how did pride get in? Pride can only come when you turn away from God. If you don't turn away from God, how can pride come in? It's very simple. God made both to have a relationship. The moment Lucifer in the heavenly turned away, pride came in. So our independence from God is actually the first sin. It is actually the genesis of everything. 
God made us to be dependent on God, but we became self-dependent. See, pride comes only in a place of independence. Disobedience is actually turning into that. So he did this, and then what did he do? He ate of it in heaven, in a sense, it's just an example, okay? Don't go and check in the Bible. There is no temptation biscuit and all that there in the Bible, okay? So then what he does in the Garden of Eden, guess what is he giving him? He's giving him what he partook of in the spiritual realm. See, Satan can only give you what he has. What do you really think he gave? When they ate of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, they partook in the nature of Satan. It was not just the knowledge of good and evil. Because disobedient, and if you look at the encounter also, there's an example which they do there, where, you know, they hand over their authority and power and things like that. What was that actually? So the key is this. Today, if you look at man, you leave him normally in a sinful nature. It's all about I. They will, I help, now self-help books, and everything about I. They want to do everything apart from God. If you see that nature, even in Christians, you know where it's coming from. Everything that you do apart from God is I. Did God originally make us to be I? And by the way, when I was looking at the alphabets, right, I stands alone, V is two alphabets together. And so this is the biggest problem. When we talk about the pattern in our mind, we are also talking about how the pattern is aligned to the flesh. And the flesh actually starts becoming like this. And everything we do, it can be in the secular world, in ministries, anywhere, it can become I rather than dependence on God. Thank you so much. So what is God's plan for us? We are born again. So in Ephesians 4, 24, it says, put on the new self created in God's image in, the, in righteousness and holiness of the truth. In some translations, it says in true righteousness and holiness. So who are we created? The new man is created to be in true righteousness and into true holiness. That's the new identity, true righteousness and true holiness. God wants us to be righteous and holy. But how is this possible? I'll give you another example. Big props. This is generally who we were supposed to be. Who do you see in this mirror, all of you? Who do you see? yourself. But originally, God made us just as an image. We didn't have our own image. Go read that Genesis part. Who's this? Jesus. We were supposed to reflect the image of? Now, there's a problem. Now, this is Abhishek, right? He was originally created in the image and likeness of God. Does he have his own image is my first question. Do you have your own image? Or you are meant to reflect the image of God? No one is saying anything. Okay. I think you got the point. The fallen Adam, now this is the image. Is he reflecting the image? There's a problem here. Can you reflect anything? See, when you're full of yourself and full of the world, you can't reflect God. 
So God said, renovate. Get rid of all of that so that you come back to this. That it's not about you. It is not about whatever you have plans in your life. It is all about God and reflecting Jesus. Gee, we were supposed to be reflectors of Jesus and his nature to people around us. Why do you think we are not the salted light? Because of this. We are reflecting ourselves. Where is Jesus in this? And the moment we understand that actually our pattern needs to be changed. And if you, look at, if you read about Paul, he says that I emptied out myself. What did Jesus do when he was on earth? He carried the fullness of the Father, not even himself. He was here to display the Father. And if you look at all the apostles, one thing they knew, when I died to myself, I am no longer that image of the fallen nature of Adam. I am fully going to reflect the image and likeness of Christ. Thank you so much. Colossians 3.10 says, And have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of his creator. So your mind is being renewed more and more of nothing of yourself and more of Christ. And if you want to know how much you're progressing in your Christian life, you will know by how much less it's you and more it is of Christ. And trust me, uh, you know, we can preach things like this. All of us need learning in this area. There's no one better than anyone here. So don't go down that line. <laughs> the more I read this, I said, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> I really need God. Now, when you look at transformation, you're right. When we start walking in the ways of God, we are reinforcing behavior over a period of time. Patterns are formed when you reinforce a behavior. Now, I heard people saying that, you know, 21 days, if you do something, you know, it'll stick on for a long period of time. Now, research is saying something else now. It's saying that uh, 10 weeks or 2.5 months is more realistic estimate for people. That's what it's saying. Every year, they're increasing the number of, you know, to reinforce a certain behavior, you have to keep doing it. First is 21, now it's two and a half months. Let me tell you this, it's a lifetime journey. God's thing is, throughout your life, walk in the same ways. It's not about periods, 20, 30. Make a decision. When you know what God wants you to do, it's a lifelong journey. Don't restrict yourself to certain days, certain months. So the Bible says in Colossians 3 to set your mind on the things above and not on earthly things. Who is above? God. His nature, his character, his presence. He's saying set your mind there. And setting your mind on things above is your, you know, we are all moving on, right? After 70, 80 or 19, we are moving on there. Set your mind on eternal things, not on temporary things. So the first point I wanted to bring in terms of how can we look at our lives in a very different way? Because the first part we did was, okay, we understood all about ungodliness and that we need to pull down those ungodliness, repent, renounce, receive forgiveness. But does it stop there or do we need to start walking in godliness? See, what we think is I have renounced, I have repented, I have received forgiveness. 
I'm free and I've reached heaven. You are still on earth. Okay, you have to walk in that. Walking in it is actually practicing what God wants you to walk and the things that he wants you to do. So I try to look at how can we look at this a little bit in a more realistic way. In John 15, 5 says, whoever abides in me and I in him, that he will bear much fruit and apart from me you can do. So the whole point is abide in me and I will abide in me. Apart from me you cannot do. If you look very clearly or closely to that verse, he's saying depend on me, period. That's all, that whole chapter. The more you start depending on my word, the more you start depending on the leading of my spirit, you will be fruitful. Simple. The biggest problem of the fallen nature is to be dependent on God. It comes very easily to us to be self-dependent or independent from God in different ways. Now, most of us are very dependent on God on certain areas. Now, some areas we are not. You, you know, you have that ratio, and God is transforming you. The whole idea is he wants to transform your whole being to be dependent upon him. So the first thing we need to learn to rechange the pattern is, go to God. James 4, it says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Why is he saying double-minded there? Do we go to the world or the pattern of the world or do we go to God? Who do we go to? Pattern of the world is go to my friends, go to my whoever can help me, right? Or what can I do to help myself? Or do I go to God? Who's the first person do we need to go to? And how does our pattern change? Every time you go through a circumstance, and this is what I've been trying to practice, Every time you go to some circumstance or problem, first go to God. And that's where you're starting to depend on God. Everything. The Bible says when you're happy, you're joyful, you're in sorrow, pray. What does that mean? Go to God. In all circumstances, go to God. And that's the pattern God wants to set in you. You can break off the old pattern of independence, but how do you set in a new pattern? by practicing what God wants you to live or how he wants you to live. Start going back to God. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Hebrews 4, 16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. What is the picture there? Come to me. Honestly, this is a challenging thing which I'm telling you because I understand what I'm preaching and I know what I'm practicing. And all of us, God wants us, this is what God wants us to do. Wants us to constantly keep that pattern of going back to God. If you look at Matthew 6.33, what does he say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God or the earthly kingdom or the kingdom of God. And his righteousness, not your righteousness. When God said he created you in true holiness and righteousness, it is actually reflecting him, not you. The problem is we think we can become holy and righteous in our own ability. That's legalism. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. This verse I've been going through quite a lot. I've 
preached it in different messages, but somewhere I feel this is the key which people find it difficult to receive. We rather search our own kingdom, our own ways, and let God be added unto us. And when it says seek his kingdom, what is it talking about? His rule, his lordship, his plan, his purpose. We have learned to make our own purposes and say, God, please come and bless it for me. Let it be a calling, a purpose, or life, or marriage, whatever it may be. Seek his lordship, his kingdom, his direction. And then it said, all these things will be added unto you. We can't add things into our life and say, no, God, you be added unto it. See, when God leads you into the things of his plan, you are bound to succeed in it. No doubt there. You will succeed when you're walking according to the plans of God. When you're under his lordship, you will succeed, you will grow, you will be blessed as long as you align yourself to him and his kingship. And the big problem is this. Isn't that again the Garden of Genesis, uh, in, what happened in the uh, you know, uh, Garden of Eden? We want to be king. We don't like to serve the king. We want to be the king, that's the problem. That independence is about, I want to be the king, I want to be my own lord. And that needs to be broken so that we can make him our lord and savior. Unless we come to a place of complete hopelessness in ourselves, how can we actually have full confidence in God? And so that's the balance. That you have complete hopelessness in yourself, but complete confidence in God, that he can do it. If you only have complete hopelessness, you go to depression. But that's not a God. It's to say that, God, I'm nothing but you're everything. The second part of this I want to bring out, is our thinking supernatural thinking? Is our thinking supernatural thinking? Or do we think like the world thinks? When I mean supernatural thinking, see, we are wired in a certain way. From our childhood, we are seeing things around us, how our parents work, what they do, what the world around us does, uh, in schools what we are being taught, and there's some sort of very strong pattern which is stuck. This is how you have to live life. And by default, our children somehow immediately mimic how, what we are doing in life, some way or the other. Jesus wanted to break that off. When Jesus came, he started shaking everything. He started going to, at that time, you know, uh, the tax collectors. Now, that was not right for a Judaism, Judaism kind of thinking, right? Why would you go to a tax collector's house? He went there. Why? He broke their pattern. God came for the sinner, not for the righteous people. He broke that. He related with those kind of people. He brought those people closer. Jesus took his disciples and he showed them things, I think, in their mind, uh, you know, they say, pataki. You know, crackers were bursting in the disciples' mind, I think. Because the things he was doing, they'll be like, oh my gosh, this is not possible. You know, and that's why we get shocked when we see something supernatural happen. We're like, oh, how did this happen? For Jesus, it's like, hey, this is a part of my life. Jesus seen what his father was doing. So for Jesus, it was natural that he would follow his father's pattern of doing things. For Jesus, it was all normal. Why? Because his father did it on a regular basis. Every second, uh, the father was doing it. 
but for his disciples oh how is he raising the dead how is he healing lepers blind people are seeing and most of a peep uh, peter come walk on water does that sound like normal thinking would you want to walk on water anyone here first you'll tell me there's a law of gravity jesus was above gravity that's why he walked on the water <laughs> see jesus when he did stuff it kind of shifted and turned everything to show him that i am walking in the pattern of my father i am doing as i see my father doing and i don't do anything apart from what my father does and i find that we need to come to a place of aligning a process of or pattern of thinking to be supernatural because when we are reading the scriptures why do you have the scriptures god wants to show you this is possible this is doable if you see this is doable he wants you to live this out in your life and by the way why did jesus take his disciples and started showing him showing them all the miracles and uh, all these amazing things you know 5000 fish and all these great miracles why was he doing it he's saying this is how i want you to live you have been living like that in your fallen nature now in your redeemed nature i want you to start living like this the supernatural being normal for you and so as he, his disciples were seeing jesus do it a pattern was getting reinforced in his uh, disciples mind that yes this is very much possible i noticed one thing right like if you look at some of these people uh, Elias born uh, Smith Wigglesworth all these people who did all crazy miracles and things like that the people who are along with them seem to have picked up stuff very fast why because they are seeing oh wow this is possible i never thought this will happen but it's happening so now when something like that starts happening guess what happens they start saying that this is possible in their pattern they think supernatural is okay in one of the villages in north india <coughs> a person got saved and started reading the scriptures and in the scriptures is that you can go and heal people so this person goes and starts laying hands not you know full bible college nothing like that just pure belief in god's word going just laying hands on people guess what's happening to them cancer and all getting healed and in the town they're saying cancer is like normal thing for us why because it's like cough cold they're talking about it why are they making it look like that because they realize that they seen one person practicing in the supernatural so powerfully they all thought okay this is possible for us also if they can do it we also can do it so jesus was just showing his disciples stop living according to the worldly pattern start living to the godly pattern his disciples trusted jesus jesus said carry just one pair of sandals one tunic and all that and just go don't worry i'll take care of you what was he teaching them he's saying slowly soon as you go and you know that i am with you and you get provided for in this journey that will become a normal lifestyle for you and then when you go into your missionary trips that will be easy for you to do so god Jesus on earth was teaching his disciples how to have a godly pattern of mind so their thinking would be aligned to God. John 59 says and Jesus said to them assuredly uh, um, assuredly you and most solemnly say to you the son cannot do nothing of himself unless it is something he 
sees the father doing for whatever things the father does the son also does in the what is the word used there same way same pattern so the way the father did things the, jesus followed the same pattern and as we are called to be disciples of christ he wants us also to follow that pattern but unless we do away with the earthly pattern and recognize deal with it repent and renounce it we cannot walk in the godly way or the godly pattern in which god wants us to walk 2 timothy 3 5 says and having the appearance of godliness but denying its power avoid such people and i found this verse is very powerful it's saying that having the appearance of godliness but denying its power avoid such people see people want to be godly but deny the power of god and the bible is saying oh, don't mingle with these people why you will become like them associate with people of faith people of the word people who who will take you on the journey and help you to walk in the ways of god don't associate with people who are going to make you carnal fallen and you know start depending and trusting in yourself the second point so the first one is dependence on god the second pattern is a godly pattern throughout the bible god one of the key things god does is order i think god loves order because god is not a god of chaos he is a god of order he loves order when god created the heavens and the earth in genesis there was a very clear order in the way he did it when you look at the family in 1 corinthians 11:3 there is an order there also he said but uh, i would have you to know <clears throat> that the head of every man is christ and the head of every woman is man and the head of christ is now where do you see this pattern happening in the world today now the world is totally reversing this pattern i made a image for this can we have that image look at this so the head was supposed to be the father and then you have jesus and then man and the head of the woman is so that was supposed to be a very clear order there now in marriages one of the main things you will recognize is the order is off what why is the order off suddenly you will see uh, the woman will think she is the head of the family or you will think your friend is the head of the family or you will think google is the head of your family you want any family problem go to google see that's not godly pattern first of all headship was supposed to be the man in the family and yes we can recognize yes there are times when you know man abdicated his responsibility and things like that but that's not god's plan by the way god wanted man to be the head of the family and the head of the house is christ and the head of christ is god period and any intersection within this creates problems and if you go and look at most of the marriage problems or the family problems there's problems with in-laws why because the order is not followed i'll give you a small example see when christians read these verses the men say oh you know my wife has to submit to me perfect but is the man submitting to christ that we don't ask that question see for a order to flow the man has to submit to christ and the woman submits to man see if a man submits to christ he will love his wife even more he'll take care of his wife even more will he treat them badly if he is in submission to christ 
No. See, God is wise. He didn't come up with these orders just like that. Now, if you have another problem, and uh, you see all in-laws and all of them interfering, the wife is calling her father or mother to for her family decisions. Guess what will happen? Interruption. Now, if the man is going to his mother rather than going to Jesus, then what is the problem? There is another problem there. So these are very basic things, but if you see in the world, we can call a lot of things, you know, feminism or this and that, and we can put all those labels and tag. What is the point behind that? The enemy is behind all of that. What is he trying to do? Wherever the enemy can bring disorder, he can get access in your family. Simple. That's the point. Wherever you don't walk according to God's order, the enemy will gain access. The enemy doesn't care about what you think about a lot of things. He is only concerned for you to oppose God's word. That's his main objective. Even if you look at the church, when, it, when they talk about Sunday church, it says, uh, when you're conducting the services, but all things should be done decently and in order. Meaning, there should be an order even in the Sunday morning. That's why we have, you know, different things. You'll be asking, why you same announcement, worship, you know, preaching. There's an order. We are trying to be godlier. Right? Even when you look at the gifts in the church, in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, it says, and God has placed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, miracles, gifts. That also he's saying, that also is there. So the point is this. Are we following God's pattern of living or the world's pattern of living? Now you can tell me that there are so many issues, we are living in a fallen world, men are like this, women are like that. You can say all those things. Those are the problems, that's the fallenness, that's carnality. But are you aligning yourself back to God? Do you think God would want the best or the worst for your family? You have to ask yourself that first simple question. If he wants the best, this is how he's going to do it. And honestly, wherever I've seen godly order, there will always be blessing, peace, love, joy, and everything will be there. The next thing I would like to bring is attitude. When we look at pattern, the third thing, so the first one, just so that you'll remember, first is dependency. Secondly, that there's order in the things where the Bible prescribes us to live in a certain way. Third is attitude. Luke 22, 27, uh, Jesus did not come into this world for himself, but for us. So Jesus came and actually love is giving. Jesus came for us. Did Jesus come for himself? So why is ministry about ourselves? It's about others. It's about serving people through the Holy Spirit. We are called to love one another. And he said, I am among you as one who serves. I love this about Jesus. I am one among you. He served together. And the church is meant to be a church with loves, with sacrifices, which cares for the people. And the fact that we are all in progress, this is something we need to say. God changed our attitude to be an attitude of loving, an attitude of giving. Second is... Forgiveness, Matthew 18, 22. Jesus answered, I tell you not 70 times, but 70 times. Seven. How many times to forgive? 70 times. You know what Jesus was doing? Finally, when I was preparing this message, I was like, oh, thank you, Lord, for showing me this. 
He said 70 times 7 because he wants to reinforce a culture of forgiving. That's the whole idea. Why so many times? The more you forgive, the more your pattern of forgiving, your lifestyle becomes forgiving. God wants us to be loving, forgiving Christians. Is it easy? You all know the answer. Is it possible? You know the Bible. <clears throat> Under attitude, God wants us to carry the attitude of service. It can be in the church, it can be in your office, it can be in your house. Church, office, or house, wherever it may be, God wants us to carry the attitude of servanthood. And it says, Jesus did not come into this world for himself, but he came to serve each one. The next one is under attitude. Do we have an attitude of prayer? Jude 1, 20 to 21 says, but you, dear friends, by building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, two things, building yourself up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. God wants us to pray in the Holy Spirit. In everything, come to God. In everything, prayer. That should be our attitude. Keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. So this is the pattern of lifestyle. He wants us to build ourselves in the most holy faith. He wants us to pray in the Holy Spirit and keep ourselves in God's love because it's so easy to go back into our own self very fast. Philippians 2, 1, uh, 1 and 5 in the NLT version says, then make yourself truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. So one mind and one purpose, talking about you being one with the Holy Spirit and having the mind of Christ. Do not be selfish. Do not try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Do not look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus had. Now, these are the three very basic things I wanted to bring. Yes, there are a lot more, and uh, you all will say, oh, 40 minutes over. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> there are just three things. Basics. Are we going to depend completely on God? That should be our heart, to depend on God. Secondly, are we following the truth? Are we following in God's order? Because, see, God's truth is ultimate. We can't take experiences or things which are happening on the world which are isolated, but truth is truth. We need to follow the truth and then we'll go on the right path. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. So what does way mean? Pattern. I am the way which will reach the truth and then you have life. So if we follow God's word in the new covenant, because sometimes we go read the Old Testament and think that that's how God wants us to do, go pull down uh, walls and then go fight with people. No, no, no. We are moved into a new covenant. We are under the covenant of grace and God is saying under the covenant of grace and mercy that through the cross we start walking, we start serving him and we have the very same attitude as Jesus Christ. So what can be a very simple application to this? 
Number one, humility to acknowledge your incapability and the help of the Holy Spirit. But when, because when I read sermons or I read scripture, sometimes, honestly, I find it a little tough. But then I know that I am incapable, but the Holy Spirit can help me to do these things. And sometimes our incapability is not a weakness. When we go with our incapability to God, God can help us to walk in His ways. Second thing is, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Because the verse said, the mind which is focused on the Spirit. So if you are Spirit-led, you will be God-led. Third is, application of God's Word. Through the Spirit, we need to be obedient to God's Word. Obedience without the Spirit will not work. Obedience through the Spirit will work. And thank God for the small victories in small areas of your life. Sometimes we do not celebrate small victories. We always want big things, but actually the small victories is what helps us to walk in the right ways. And repeat in all areas. The whole thing about creating a pattern is repeat the lifestyle over and over again. Walk in the same forgiveness, walk in the same love. And as you start walking in the same love, the same grace, the same mercy, it becomes a part of your being. And hence, you are not showing forth your fallen nature, you are showing forth actually Christ in everything. Amen? We'll just close with a word of prayer. Yeah, I had to share this last part, okay, for all architectural people. Okay, so first we lay the foundation. There has to be a curing. There's a period where it stays, and then you need to repeat foundations in different areas. So the whole thing about renovation is break down the old, cleanse it, set up a godly pattern in your life. Yeah, we'll pray. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your presence, oh, Father. And Lord, we just thank you, Father, that you have called us to show forth your image, your nature, your characteristics, oh, Father. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you will show us areas in our life, oh, Father, which are fallen, Lord, areas of self-dependence, carnality, worldliness, oh, Father, which are seeped into a heart where we sometimes are deceived, oh, Father. And Lord, I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you will sanctify us, oh, Father, cleanse us from that, oh, Father, that, Lord, it's not about us, oh, Father, it's only about you, Lord Jesus. We are nothing, oh, Father, you are everything, Lord. And Lord, we come to a place of repentance, oh Father, areas which we have given into the world, Lord. And Lord, we receive your forgiveness, oh Father. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, that we will start walking in the way, the pattern of life which you have called us to walk in, oh Father, according to your word and by the Spirit, oh Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen.